exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. We have Mariah Cherum from the Kresge Art Museum here at MSU, and also Peter Richards from Scene Metrospace. How are you both tonight? Doing great. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Great. So, uh, you know, let's start off. I want to hit off right uh, right at the beginning the important things that are happening in both of your uh, prospective places. So why don't we start with Peter, since I talked to you first tonight. How are you? <laughs> All right. Uh, scene Metrospace has been dormant for about two months while we move into a new location at 110 Charles Street. And we are at last opening on Friday mm-hmm. uh, from, from 6 to 9 with a public reception for our new exhibit, which is titled Motion. And there's 14 artists. Some are local. Some are from around the state. That's great. And we'll go over to Mariah real quick. What's your big event coming sure, up? Sure. <laughs> so um, we have a big exhibition, which actually opened um, officially Earlier this week, um, but we're having an opening reception the same evening that Scene Metrospace is having an opening reception. Friendly competition. Not, you know, we like to think of it as partnering. People can hit both of us, definitely. Mm -hmm. Scene Metrospace's event goes on a little bit later. Um, So what we're doing over at Kresge Art Museum is that um, we have an exhibition called Circus, the Art of the Strange and Curious. And And I'm looking at the brochure right here. It looks looks very festive. There is a man uh, wrestling a lot. Yes, indeed. Uh, which, where else are you going to see that? <laughs> Especially, where else in an art museum are you going to see a strongman That's wrestling right. a lion? And the brochure kind of looks like one of those uh, bags of popcorn you get sometimes yep. at the theater. So yeah, cool. we're going for a, you know, a sort of big top look. Um, the exhibition is open right now, and it is running through the end of July. The museum closes for August. Um, but in order to kick off the circus theme of the exhibition, we're having an opening reception on Friday, the 11th, and our reception goes from 6 to 8 p.m. at Kresge Art Museum itself, and it's going to be a circus-themed reception. So we're going to have circus-themed food, circus-themed entertainment, mm. and um, I can go into that a little bit more now or later if, if you'd like. Um, but I think May 11th is going to be a good night in terms of people being able to kind of make a couple stops and a lot of stuff going on in East Lansing, both on and off campus. Well, this is cool. You know, we have both of you here at the same time, which I think uh, hopefully this will kind of be the start of a new, uh, broader-based art community in the area. So I really like this idea how you both have shows going on, but, you know, they're somewhat overlapping. Uh, but also, you know, it's an opportunity for people to just go out and have kind of a night of art. So. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about uh, what's going on at Scene Metro Space, Peter? Uh, yeah, we're going to be um, featuring the the exhibit motion that I mentioned earlier. Uh, everything in the show kind of revolves around the idea of motion. So it's going to be everything from two people playing a stretched piano wire with violin bows <laughs> to life-size glass sculpture of a human mannequin um, and things like that. There will be music, there will be food, um, it's, of course, open to the public, um, and we're very excited to, to show off all of our work that we've done there. Uh, it's largely uh, been completed by volunteers, and I don't know, we're just we're just ready to open and, and very proud of what we've done with the space. For sure, especially after two months being dormant, I'm sure uh, there's been uh, many artists in the area and, and uh, people who are interested in art uh, kind of waiting you know, for something like this to happen again. Uh, you used to be on Abbott Street, um, and why don't you talk a little bit about what prompted the move? 
Well, the building that we are in on Abbott has been slated for demolition for the last several years. There's various plans taking place where the Old Citizens Bank and, and the former Kent Bank, which is where our gallery was, are located. And uh, so we were kind of on borrowed time. Uh, it was a great space for us. It really was a, a good incubator for scene. And finally, funding went through to take the buildings down. And so uh, we needed to find a new space. Um, <laughs> We definitely wanted to continue uh, our programming and all that, and so the Downtown Development Authority and the city and the arts community kind of uh, rallied and, and helped us find a new location and um, helped us fund renovations. Uh, it, it had been vacant for about a year, um, and so there was some work to do. Uh, <laughs> and then about 25 volunteers have stepped up and donated everything from a couple hours to like 90% of their free time wow. to help us uh, get the space ready. Mm -hmm. And we should also mention that uh, government in various forms have been contributing as well. It started off with the Cool Cities Initiative uh, that was statewide. And uh, probably East Lansing, uh, the city government has been helping you out a bit too. Very much so. Um, the, the council has been really helpful um, we've uh, been able to get a small amount of funding to cover um, some of our expenses for the first little while while we get our feet under us. Um, they helped us search out and, and discover the space. Um, Downtown Development Authority has, has been really helpful. Uh, they just kind of made it clear that they wanted us in the downtown and wanted us to, to continue on and, and provide art and music and, and other programming like that. Mm -hmm. well, that's definitely worthwhile. Well, you are listening to Impact Exposure. If you'd like to add to the conversation, uh, the number is 517-432-3893. Or if you just have a comment and you're in front of a computer, Impact Exposure is our screen name, so you could uh, send a message that way as well. Uh, so, Mariah, a big uh, show. It's already happening. And uh, so Friday is kind of the big open to the public uh, big gala event. <laughs> sure, Friday is the big to-do, um, and we don't have a literal big top, but <laughs> we're trying to make a big deal um, to celebrate the exhibition. I guess, first I'll explain a little bit of what is contained in the exhibition. It might be kind of hard for someone to picture how you would fit elements of a circus now, into an art museum. Is there actually going to be a man wrestling a lion? Because that would probably be pretty interesting <laughs> to see. And I'm, I'm going to be a little disappointed if there aren't people, many you people know, wrestling many lions. Jeremy, if you are willing to volunteer to wrestle a lion, we might be able to make if that happen. If you can happen. get the lion, I will <laughs> wrestle that lion. It'll right. be great. As of right now, we have we have no we, no actual lion tamers lined up, but we do have a lot of other entertainment for that evening, which fit, totally fits into the theme of the circus. Um, we have, uh, we're going to have a local clown who does face painting, balloons. We have a magician roaming throughout the crowd. We're going to have a very over-the-top fortune teller um, <laughs> in the traditional um, fortune teller mode. Not, you know, I can't necessarily vouch for the authority of her fortunes, um, but we will have an old-time fortune teller. Um, we also will have a booth, um, Proust Pets, who mm -hmm. are located in uh, Old Town in Lansing. They um, are offering to have sort of an animal curiosity booth. Oh, cool. So we will have something kind of as an homage to the days of old with exotic animals, and they will be mainly providing information about the animals, um, but they thought that it was kind of a neat venue to have a snake, a legless lizard, a hissing cockroach, and all sorts <laughs> of sort of exotic creatures there. Um, we're also working um, in the old days of the sideshows, which is very much what this exhibition is based upon. There were painted men and painted ladies who, of course, were tattooed from 
head to toe. And um, tattoos have really come quite a long way. I don't know how many people in this room have tattoos, but I certainly have many friends who do. And um, they've really sort of evolved into body art. And while at one point it may have been an oddity to have an entire arm tattooed, it's not really all that odd now. Um, So we're working with Splash of Color Tattoo Studio, and they will be um, doing a sort of live, um, informal exhibit of a few of their clients who have really intricate body art. So it kind of adds to the circus flavor, and um, I can get into some of the details eventually of what you'll see in the gallery itself. Great. Well, that'll be great. Uh, First off, though, we already have a caller, so we have Maggie uh, on the phone. Maggie, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Great. So uh, what, uh, what, do you have a question for us or a comment? Um, more a comment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I just happened upon the program, and I'm glad I did. Uh, we had not been real involved with scene or had an opportunity to really get there before um, Peter Richards took mm-hmm. over as director there. And since Peter's been involved and basically in charge, it really has blossomed and has drawn us from Lansing into East Lansing. Um, Ben and I had both gone to MSU and moved into Lansing to kind of try out a different scene than the college scene. And when um, Peter was able to take over scene Metro space, it just really provided another reason for us to come back into East Lansing. He's done an excellent job. Oh, well, high praise for uh, Peter. That's uh, certainly well-deserved. Yes, and we're also glad to hear that the city was able to help out and really put value on art as a draw for their city. Great. You know, it's uh, definitely something that I think the whole community will benefit from, and hopefully more community involvement like this will be great. Uh, Peter, anything you'd like to say? Thank you, Maggie. Um, <laughs> You're welcome, Peter. <laughs> I've really enjoyed having the kind of the, the launch pad for all kinds of you know ideas and integrating art and music and film and uh, different creative people in the community and, and really giving them a, a blank canvas to uh, work with. Um, it's It's been a, a very challenging but very rewarding at the same time job, and, and uh, I can't really imagine myself doing anything different at this point in my life. Great. Excellent. Well, Maggie, thanks for your call. Yeah, thanks for taking it. Great. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. You too can uh, give us a call here on Impact Exposure. 432-3893 is the number. And uh, while Peter is blushing here, uh, <laughs> move back to uh, Mariah, I guess, for a second. Sure, sure. Uh, and talk about your show. So uh, you're talking about the circus show. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since I've been at the circus and probably Me a while too. since most people have been at the circus. So <laughs> where did the idea for this theme come up? Well, um, basically, there is a local collector, um, local meaning southern Michigan. His name is Jim Secreto, and he initially became interested in collecting things related to carousels. That kind of morphed into carnivals and circuses, and he ended up really getting take really being taken with the early art involved with circus sideshows specifically um the circuses themselves but then the things that were sort of on the side and the curiosity booth and that sort of thing so mr secreto has been a friend of the museums for the last several years and um at an event he had sort of given a private preview to our curator and director and a few other friends of part of his collection of circus banners. He published a book several years ago with some of these large-scale sideshow banners. And they really looked closely at these huge banners, which are, you know, 
mammoth proportions, eight by ten feet, and realized that more than even really just being an advertisement for step right up, come on in, see this and that, there was a certain art to the way that these banners were assembled. And in some of the banners, there was even evidence that a few of these painters really knew what they were doing. They may have had fine art training. Um, there are references in a few of the banners to fine art, including a pose that one of the sideshow figures strikes that's similar to Pompeian murals. Um, all sorts of different references that you might not expect in something that might be considered more folk art or advertisement. So there's really a lot to be sort of analyzed and observed. And putting these banners in a museum setting really enables people to kind of reflect on them a little bit more. Um, and it also enables us to place them in context. These are historical documents. We certainly don't go around having current sideshows much these days, um, aside from maybe reality TV. But um, <laughs> these, it was really important to put them in a museum setting to come up with programming and captions that put these in a historical context and let you understand that within this genre, these particular banners were painted by artists who are really well-known and well-respected within their field. And um, as you take a look through, you start to get a feel for the styles of the different artists. And you also just start to understand a little bit more about the historical time periods, I think, of the banners themselves um, and what was considered enticing mm -hmm. at that point. <laughs> so um, it's it's definitely a very fun, very colorful, very large exhibit. To contrast with the large banners, we have these very small, intricate scale models of circus performers, circus animals. They're all very intricately carved wooden um, models. And so it's sort of, you know, a spectacle of enormous proportions and of miniature proportions, <laughs> um, which makes for a great juxtaposition. And it's always fun during the summer. Um, Kresge Art Museum generally does a show that's a little bit more lighthearted. So it definitely fits with that theme. Definitely. Well, I have a question uh, for the both of you, but I'll start with Peter. Um, so being, uh, you know, in grade school and middle school and stuff, we'd uh, go to uh, down to Detroit and go to the art museum and stuff like that. And for the most part, you know, you'd see some sculptures, but there's a lot of paintings and stuff. But it seems like, you know, uh, the events that you both hold are well beyond that. So I was wondering what stuff besides, you know, the traditional painting you might see at one of your exhibits, especially maybe this week. Yeah, we really aspire to be kind of an, a nexus for all the different disciplines and for people to mix disciplines and, and you know, color outside of the lines. Um, and in that uh, spirit, there will be some video pieces at this show, um, some kinetic sculpture uh, by a, an artist from Kalamazoo named Karen Bondarchuk, and uh, also traditional painting and ceramics and photography, but maybe in a way that you haven't uh, encountered them before. And there's a performance aspect as well. I, I mentioned the 30 feet of piano wire mm -hmm. that will be stretched across the gallery and contact mic'd and played with violin bows. Um, they are excited enough about this and, and tell me that it sounds good enough that they're planning on recording it and releasing it as a limited edition vinyl. Um, <laughs> And, so uh, art being created right in the gallery, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, it reminds me of a, we had a band record their first live album at the old scene Metro Space, and I, I think it was probably the first and last live album that was recorded <laughs> there. Um, I don't know what became of it, but uh, I would love to hear it someday. <laughs> well, it was important to someone, and that's what's uh, really important. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just to kind of like 
tie into to your question, we we really want people to uh, do things kind of out of out of the box. We had a digital show that uh, an artist submitted some ceramics to that had circuit boards and images from video games uh, imprinted into them, and I thought. Oh, that's that's exactly what I was hoping, that people wouldn't just take it as meaning digital printouts, that they would take the idea and run with it in, in whatever direction their imagination can, can take them. So could you <laughs> – so you get all these uh, great artists you know, at an exhibition. How do you go about getting uh, them involved? I'd say about half of them find us. We put out a, a call for uh, proposals a couple months in advance. And uh, we have various avenues. We send that out through the web and a big list of uh, emails that we've that we've uh, built up over the years and a mailing list. About half of them I seek out. I do some research. Um, sometimes I'll have an artist in mind, uh, even when I'm formulating the theme, and I will track them down and harass them into exhibiting at our at our space. Um, and in that way, we've had some really cool people exhibit recently. Um, Lee Ronaldo, who's a guitarist from Sonic Youth, had a piece in our Sonic show. Um, an artist from Belgium named Hugo Paquette uh, had a video piece in the data transfer show. And uh, artists from L.A. and New Jersey. And, like, the word has been getting out there. And, and what was once probably 75% local has, has really started to integrate... Um, the bigger the the global village mm-hmm. um and and the the internet of course has helped us out with that a lot it's a great way to connect people <laughs> yeah i'm excited that somebody in new york city or belgium wants to show at our gallery mm-hmm. well you are listening to impact exposure we are here with mariah from the kresge art museum and peter richards from scene metro space and uh, mariah i have the same question for you how do you go about finding art to exhibit Well, um, there are sort of a variety of different ways that shows come into being, um, and a lot of that has to do with our director, Susan J. Bandys, and our main curator, April Kingsley. Uh, We also have a curator of photography, uh, Howard Bosson. And so they really go through quite a selection process. Some shows that we end up with at Kresge are touring exhibitions. um, The curatorial staff may have had a particular idea in mind, or they may have just happened upon an exhibition at another museum that they're interested in. Um, We do some of our exhibitions that are curated out of Kresge's own collection go on tour to other museums as well. So there are some good relationships there between the museums. I know that uh, some shows, especially our works on paper shows, which are in the smaller works on paper gallery, a lot of those come into being um, because the shows are organized around a particular theme and drawn directly from the Kresge Art Museum collection. We have a wonderful works on paper collection. And so some and some of our shows that are larger shows as well are also curated from the Kresge Art Museum collection. We have over 7,000 objects. Wow. So although you don't see all of that out on a day-to-day basis, and this is part of the reason why we hope that... Um, we keep our fingers crossed that there may be a new building at some point um, in Kreis Garrett Museum's future. We we do have over 7,000 objects in our collection. So there's a lot to draw from in our within our own collection. And then there are, of course, the touring exhibitions. And um, sometimes an idea will just be brought to the table by a faculty member in the art and art history department or someone else in the creative community. And... It makes sense. And Susan and April just decide to run with it. Um, so 
my joy is really learning about the exhibitions once I take a look at the upcoming schedule and really kind of digging in and figuring out what sort of programming, what sort of events, films, um, lectures, even things related to music we could pull in to relate to what's going to be happening in the museum. And, and that's really what I enjoy. That's cool. So you have a lot to draw on. Um, and, of course, you have the big events like the one happening this Friday. Um, yes, but indeed. I guess on a, a day-to-day basis, uh, do you have other events going on where people could perhaps just walk in and uh, see what's going on? Sure, sure. We are open to the public. Uh, admission is complimentary, donation only. And so we are generally open now that the students are not on campus. Parking is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I love the students. Um, <laughs> but we do sometimes get people from Lansing, East Lansing, who get a little bit, not necessarily afraid, but a little bit intimidated to come onto campus because they're afraid they won't be able to find parking. Um, and parking is not as much of an issue now, which is wonderful. So summer's a great time for people to feel comfortable coming in and exploring at Kreisky Art Museum. We generally have, um, as well as just our regular hours that we're open, and you would be able to just walk right in and see circus. Um, we do have occasional events throughout the summer. We have a lot of programming surrounding the circus exhibition. We have a lecture, which will be on June 6th, um, which is actually going to be led by Alice Dreger, who is a bioethics scholar. And she's going to be talking about bodies that are sort of norm-challenging and Mm. how our perception um, from the days of the Circus Sideshow to the present, how our perception of norm-challenging bodies has changed, Uh, which is a pretty interesting topic. Um, We also do show some films, and we'll be showing a film, an old black-and-white film called Freaks, um, which was... Really, very, very early on, it was in, made in 1932, and it's kind of a cult classic. And we'll be showing that on Wednesday, July 18th in the evening, 7 p.m. at Wells Hall. And we have some great moderators and speakers for these events who really help us to put them in context and link them to the exhibition as well. That's great. And I should yeah. mention uh, right up front uh, that all this information is probably available on a website. Exactly. That's yeah. probably the easiest way for people to get all of the details of what's going on, the exact locations and times. It's just artmuseum.msu.edu. If we have parking alerts or detour alerts, I know that summer is construction season, um, then those will generally be posted on the homepage as well. And there's actually a mini site specifically for circus where people can take a look at programming related to that and then there's another mini site where people can check out our works on paper gallery show which is a very different theme called sorrow unmasked and uh, i won't get into that on this show but people can take a look and see what other programming we have too great and we'll give that out again at the end of the show uh peter you know along the same lines uh, you'll you were mentioning before the show that you have uh, things usually going on thursday friday saturday nights uh is there anything uh, else that happens right right now in the current plan for scene metro space yeah, we want to keep up our uh, tradition of having Saturday night music. Um, there's a few things coming up. Um, I know that Head & Toe is going to have a CD release on the 26th. Uh, Madison Crow is going to have a CD release on a Friday, which is a little bit of a different thing for us, uh, Friday the 18th. And um, Detroit bands like Stare Into the Sun are going to come up and play, um, local bands like The Darts, um, Bear Mountain Picnic, Picnic, which is both local and Detroit, sort of a <laughs> here and there band. Um, we also had some events like a collage night that was just a, a drop-in event. You could come in, uh, 
with, play with some glue and uh, X-Acto knives and scissors and, and make collages. And we have some sort of distant plans for a collage-based exhibit maybe in the, in the winter. Well, that's cool. That's fun when you, can, when you can get you know the community involved with actually creating the art like that. It's really interesting because there's both regulars and there's people that are just walking by and they see something going on and they come in and they end up spending like two hours and making a collage of penguins on the space shuttle or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned uh, briefly that you know people from Detroit you know are aware of uh, seeing Metro Space, but you also get submissions from really around the U.S. How does that come about to be? I I uh, attribute a lot of that to um, both the internet and. Um, also, I have kind of developed the uh, the ability to just send people random emails like, hey, want to be in this show? And you'll be surprised how willing uh, a lot of artists and musicians are if you just ask them and if, and if you approach them and, and uh, say, you know, here's what we're trying to do in our community. A lot of people are very much uh, in favor of these kind of things and so they they rally behind them and they contribute their their talents or their time to it cool well you are listening to exposure on impact 89 fm we're speaking with mariah cherum from uh kresge art museum and peter richards from seed metro space and kind of uh, talking about the upcoming show this friday for uh both uh both of you i uh, want you uh give a brief recap for those just joining us Sure. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll jump in. Everyone's too polite. <laughs> <laughs> We're all so demure. Um, <laughs> um, the opening reception for Kresge's uh, exhibit, which is called Circus, the Art of the Strange and Curious. We're going to have a big circus and sideshow-themed kickoff on Friday, May 11th. That will be from 6 to 8 p.m., actually at Kresge Art Museum itself. And as I said before, don't worry too much about parking. We will have plenty of parking. Um, and the the reception will be circus-themed, so we have circus entertainment from clowns to barkers to magicians to fortune tellers to um, exotic animals. We also will have circus-themed food available, including hot dogs, popcorn, little boxes of animal crackers. Um, it should be a great evening, a lot of fun, pretty festive. We Admission, of course, to the museum, the exhibit itself, and the reception is always complimentary, and we invite people to attend. If people are interested in buying a balloon or um, possibly doing some face painting, some temporary <laughs> tattoos, uh, we're, we're structuring things in a carnival way. So we actually have small packets of tickets that are available for purchase, much like a regular carnival. And, of course, we love to lure people into the museum to take part in all these fun activities, but we really encourage them to step right up and feel comfortable coming into the museum and seeing the exhibition itself of circus sideshow banners and miniatures. That's pretty cool. I'm hoping that you get a a crowd that maybe is not the typical uh, art crowd, you know, with this one. Maybe they're tricked a little by the circus. uh, Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. And we've actually also worked a little bit with um, Grand River Connection locally to get some more folks in their 20s and 30s knowing what's going on at Kresge Art Museum. I think it's really important. I mean, Scene Metro Space and Kresge Art Museum both try to be community spaces, and we aren't really directly competing. We each offer different things, um, so we can really collaborate. But I think that the importance of sort of a creative center where all sorts of people feel comfortable gathering, that third place is really important. And Peter, how about the event this Friday for Scene Metro Space? Yeah, uh, Friday will be the debut of our newly uh, renovated space at 110 Charles Street, and the exhibit... 
uh, in, that's titled Motion. It's going to be the opening reception for that from 6 to 9. Um, the weather's been really nice. I can vouch for the beautiful walk between uh, Kresge <laughs> and Scene Metro Space. Oh, it's so, been so nice. Yeah. <laughs> people can make an evening of it if, if they like. And uh, Harper's is bringing food. There's going to be music by Nick Chalice, who's a fingerstyle acoustic guitarist, kind of in the vein of John Fahey or uh, Leo Kotke. And his other project, Indoor Park, which um, is loops and, and things like that, that kind of comes across like Tortoise or, or a band like that. Um, there's 14 artists. Uh, if you want to see someone who creates their paintings with a foosball table, this would be the place <laughs> to do it. Uh, also open to the public. Um, there's no cost for it. And uh, space is a little bit limited. We, we've downsized a little bit, um, but we think our space is, is well worth it. It's got great lighting, and uh, we're very excited to uh, open this exhibit. That's very cool. I'm really excited about this new space. We were talking before the show how uh, your old building on Abbott, you know, it was so big, but now you're kind of condensing things a little bit. How do you think that's helping or hindering the creative process? I think it's helping the exhibits in that we can have a more focused exhibit. We still have room for like a 50-piece show or something like that. Uh, the, the only challenge is that we go from practically unlimited storage space at the old bank, which had a vacant basement that we could fill up with anything we wanted, <laughs> to uh, just having basically one small storage closet. <laughs> um, but the, the beauty of art galleries is they don't really own a lot. They just offer uh, raw exhibition space for people to, uh, to play with. So as long as not too many people abandon their art, we should be should be fine. Mm -hmm. And this is a cool thing about, I think, both of your events, that it's not just, hey, let's go in and look at these paintings or any material. It's kind of a multimedia big celebration on, on both ends. And so this should be a lot of fun for anyone attending, I think. Uh, I should mention also uh, on the internet, uh, besides the Kresge Art Museum, which is at artmuseum.msu.edu, you could also check out Scene Metro Space, which is simply scenemetrospace.com, and that's seen as in a movie scene. So, uh, very cool. Uh, so, let's talk now about some upcoming events. I know you have the big events this Friday, but what's going on for the rest of the summer? We are going to uh, open a solo show in at the end of June, I think June 29th, with Jonathan Vaughn, who is an artist from Florida. He is uh, makes a lot of reference to art history and large-scale charcoal drawings that are going to not only cover the walls, but also be on freestanding paper pieces throughout the gallery. So you can very much engage pieces from art history. We're hoping to follow that up with a show of rock poster art. I know there mm -hmm. is a number of local artists and regional artists that are doing some amazing work. And, and this is another opportunity to really have a fun, you know, celebration. Uh, of course, a lot of local bands around here. So, Yeah, it really kind of integrates the two things. Um, there's some great work coming out of Detroit, um, both musically and uh, in print. And uh, then the collage-themed show that I mentioned a little bit earlier, and, and we're developing our calendar for 2008 with some pretty cool ideas as well. And how about you, Mariah? Well, we have a pretty interesting uh, time ahead of us. Of course, Kresge Art Museum season, we actually close during the month of August, which limits things a little bit over the summer. Um, but we will It's only one month. Exactly. It's only one month. So we will have the circus show will continue to run along with the works uh, on paper show. They will run through the end of July. And during that time, we'll have quite a bit of programming for both exhibitions and people can find a little bit more detail about that on the website but um, 
during that time as well, we also offer um, a children's and also a new teens uh, summer camp. So that's actually something that we had a lot of requests for over the last couple of years. A lot of teenagers out of school for the summer, getting a little bit restless, <laughs> wondering, <laughs> um, wanting something kind of cool and unique to do. And so the, as always, there are details um, in the education section on our website on that teen summer camp. The children's summer camp is actually full. It's already waitlisted, but people can add on to the waitlist. And um, the teen section is filling up, but there are still a few spaces. So we definitely encourage teenagers to sign up if they're looking for something a little bit different to do um, during the summertime. And then as we look to early next year, our show that will begin, the exhibition will begin beginning of the school year, so early September, is actually pretty exciting and interactive as well. I think it'll have a really wide appeal. It's called the Paper Sculpture Show. Mm-hmm. And if people want to see some images, uh, i Go ahead and just Google Paper Sculpture Show. <laughs> um, it's currently, I believe, in Austin, uh, but it has been making the rounds to different art museums. It's a very interactive show. Uh, various different artists created patterns for paper sculptures that they themselves had created. And so when the exhibition begins, all you have are the patterns. And as people enter into the space and tour, they themselves create the paper sculptures. And so as the exhibition goes along, you have more and more of these different styles of paper sculptures. Mm. So it's really a pretty fun show, very engaging and good for pretty much any crowd, really, but a good show to welcome the students back to campus with, definitely. And as a part of that, we'll be looks like we'll probably be doing an arts blast, some sort of 24-hour, we don't have the details, but some sort of 24-hour arts event um, in Kresge Art Center in late September, which should be a really fun opportunity. We haven't done anything quite like that before. So. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, let's take a minute. You know, you guys both came here. Uh, so besides yourselves, uh, how big are your staffs at work? You know, I remember, Peter, you were saying you had a staff of about maybe 20 volunteers that were <laughs> spending 90% of their free time helping out. I wish I had them all the time. I'm, I'm actually the only <laughs> staff person uh, at Scene Metro Space, so uh, I do a little bit of everything, putting together the shows, um, press, mopping the floor, pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> so uh, there are volunteers that have been helping out, especially with opening the gallery during our open hours, uh, gallery sitting, which is a pretty... You know, it, it's it's conducive to making your own art or studying or doing something like that. It's a pretty quiet environment, um, pretty calming environment. I have uh, one volunteer who just likes to be around art while she's reading. And she <laughs> reads books. Um, <laughs> so uh, I am going to temporarily hire a couple people just in the next few days who are going to help hang the new show just because we're on a very tight timeline and uh, I can't do it all myself. Understandable. Right. How about you? Who's, uh, who's well, behind the scenes? <laughs> I would say we have a very small staff, but it certainly seems mammoth in comparison to Peter's staff. <laughs> um, we also rely heavily on volunteers. We have a wonderful group of volunteers. We have both the docents who go through the docent training and help to tour groups through the museum. And then we have uh, tons of other volunteers, members of our friends organization. Our friends board is a very big help. When we do our annual fundraiser, we have over 50 volunteers to help out with that event alone. I could not do my job. None of us could do our jobs at the museum if it weren't for our wonderful volunteers. In terms of full-time paid staff, we have about 
six to eight people if you add together a couple people who are adjunct or um, in an intern capacity. And we really, uh, it's really a very close-knit staff. It's a great group of people to work with. And I think that the volunteers appreciate the fact that the staff is small enough that we're able to communicate very well and very quickly as well. Um, We all work very hard together, and certainly in any small arts organization, there are times when there are challenges, but it's nice to know that whether the other people in your boat are volunteers or whether they're paid staff, that you someone has your back and that there are always people to help out with things. And that's something that I feel really lucky to have. Great. Uh, so uh, last question, uh, what does the, the future hold, kind of the big picture? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next year, two years, five years? <laughs> wow. Well, oh, uh, man. <laughs> I'd, I'd really like to establish uh, seeing as 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 a continuing thing it it's been a project of uh you know uh, the arts community around here i would like to really entrench it and and make it something that is a, a feature of the community and really something that people can um can tell people from other communities about um that will become one of those reasons that people come downtown or or whatever um and I really want to kind of use it as a space to get people to see a lot of unconventional art and hear a lot of un- experimental music and, uh, I don't know, just use it as that, to open up a lot of windows and doors for people. I think that there are big things in the future for Kresge <laughs> Art Museum. We, right now, in December, actually received approval to plan, which is a very preliminary step, but approval to plan from the Board of Trustees at MSU to take a look at possibly planning a new facility for the museum. And, you know, there aren't really any current updates on that as of this moment. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that everyone on staff and everyone who's worked on behalf of the museum is very hopeful that with the university's um, openness to the idea of a possible new museum, there may be something like that in the future. I can't really give a timeline <laughs> of when that would be. So five years, I'm not quite sure. On the spot. Um, but exactly. But uh but I think that within the next five years, Kresge Art Museum will certainly continue to progress to try to offer more programming, more different types of programming, whether it's films or things related to um, music or lectures, things that really draw people in. I think that the role of a museum is constantly evolving, and I would like to see different types of programming to draw in different types of audiences. So I can guarantee that that will happen over the next couple of years. Well, great. Uh, Mariah and Peter, I'd like to thank both of you for being here tonight. Real quick before we go, uh, why don't you just give a quick recap of what's going on this Friday? Sure. Um, <laughs> I will go first since our reception is earlier. Uh, okay. At the Kresge Art Museum this Friday, there is a reception to celebrate the opening of our exhibition, Circus, the Art of the Strange and Curious. And we invite people to step right up and come on down to the Kresge Art Museum from 6 to 8 p.m. on Friday and enjoy some circus-themed entertainment and food. And after they are done enjoying that, to step into the galleries and take a look at... uh, giant sideshow and circus banners and miniatures, uh, which are very much a part of the circus's history, but are also objects of art. Cool. And also this Friday, we will be debuting our um, new exhibit entitled Motion with an opening reception at our new location, 110 Charles Street. 
Uh, that's going to run from 6 to 9 p.m. There's going to be food and music and a lot of interesting artwork uh, that expands what you might think of as motion in art, both, both things that echo motion, create motion, cause motion, a um, little bit of everything. And uh, we're just ge generally very excited to open our new space and really can't wait to uh, have it full of people. Great. Well, Open This Friday starts off a new kind of era of collaboration and uh, more of a community of arts in East Lansing. It looks like this is a great first step towards that. So I'm excited. I hope you guys are, too. Uh, more information about either of the events are available at scenemetrospace.com and also artmuseum.msu.edu. Mariah and Peter, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Up next is Katie Boyd. Katie Doyle from uh, Boar's Head Theater, which is always uh, a good time on here. She's bringing in Michael Mitchell, uh, who's starring in their new play. So we'll be checking out them in a second. You're listening to Impact Exposure. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Impact 89 FM, this is Exposure, and we have our next guest in here, and even though she's not going to say anything, <laughs> we do have uh, Katie Doyle from Boar's Head Theater in Lansing with us, and also uh, the main star of uh, the attraction, uh, Michael Mitchell. How are you today, sir? Very good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so uh, I was looking up a little bit about this brand new play uh, you're telling, you, uh, you're you having now. Uh, you were in Holiday Memories mm -hmm. last year, and you're mm -hmm. back for a brand new production. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, <clears throat> Holiday Memories was was fabulous. It was my first experience here, and working with the national treasure, Carmen Decker, was um, more than I can possibly say. So I was thrilled to be back. This play is is a one-man show. <laughs> Yikes. Which is easy, right? Uh, oh, piece of cake. <laughs> sure. Um, it, it's hard to explain. Um, simply as simply as possible, put and cut me off if oh, you need to. Um, it's it's uh, ostensibly a lecture being given to this audience tonight by uh, a Dutch librarian who has this particular story to tell about uh, uh, this mystery that he's been trying to unravel for uh, and Lord knows how many years at this point. Um, and uh, slowly but surely, um, the story he's telling takes on all kinds of different levels, and it's uh, kind of nutty and funny and gets, dare I say it, somewhat meaningful by the end, too. And it's uh, called Underneath the Lintel. Correct. And it's by Glenn Berger. Can Correct. you tell me a little bit about this person? Sure. Glenn <laughs> has written uh, a number of really 
oh, how to put it, really interesting, really offbeat plays. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of them have been done in Chicago. Um, they just did one at, a, at the Looking Glass Company in Chicago called The Wooden Breeks of His. Um, he also wrote uh, another play called Great Men of Science, which has had several productions. But he also writes and has written for a long time for several children's shows. He wrote for, or I believe may still write for, Arthur. A uh, couple other children's shows. He's been doing that a lot. Um, just and a really interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of his shows are <laughs> are conventional. They are really interesting and and off offbeat. Is this your first time uh, performing a work by him? Uh, yes, yes. I haven't. Uh, I I uh, uh, worked on this piece, or at least the first part of it. Um, uh, when I was brought in to uh, potentially understudy the gentleman doing it in Chicago when they did this piece there. Mm-hmm. But that's the closest I've come to working on a piece by him uh, before, yeah. Great. Uh, would you like to tell our audience a little bit about your background and how you came to be at Boar's Head right now? <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, I uh, was born in Chicago, but uh, right after college moved to New York City. I was there about 12, 13 years and wound up, and now I'm back in Chicago, working there as an actor. Um, Love New York, but love Chicago too, and love working in Chicago more than working in New York. Uh, um, And I was uh, trained at good old Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa, as well as the National Theater Institute in Connecticut, and uh, a theater in, uh, well, just outside Paris called the Théâtre des Amandiers. And um, by all a fistful of wonderful, fabulous teachers in New York. And uh, so now for about seven years, my wife and I, hi Cheryl, have (laughs) been in Chicago and um, happily working uh, in the theater there. Great. So what brings you back to Boar's Head? Like, what makes it particularly special? You've obviously, is this just your second time here? This is my second time here. I, you know, I auditioned for Christine Thatcher, the artistic director, um, last spring for this season. And um, she got back to me. She called me back and then got me back to me some weeks later uh, and wanting to bring me in for, for two shows. And I was... You know, thrilled and honored, and uh, so my first experience here was Holiday Memories, and it was really hard to leave. I mean, this theater really is a family, and this town is a wonderful town for theater. There is great theater in this town, ladies and gentlemen. And um, I, the only thing that made it easy, or you know, it, uh, not so difficult to leave at the end of December, from uh, was knowing I was coming back. So I was just overjoyed that Christine wanted to. Work to have me back again, and this time I get to work with her directly as a director, which is fabulous. So uh, Underneath the Lintel is a brand new play that's going on, and we should probably uh, give some uh, user information here. The previews are May 16th and 17th uh, at 7 p.m., both dates. Uh, Opening day is May 18th at 8 p.m., and it runs all the way through June 10th. Uh, last showing at 2 p.m. And more information is available at boarshead.org or by calling area code 517-484-7805. And I'm getting blown kisses right now from Katie. Oh, yes. I'll blow some, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this librarian sounds like quite a character, and you have to pull him off in a one-man show. Uh, (laughs) Tell me a little bit about what that's like. Um, uh, It's a challenge. I... um have so much so much text swimming around in my head right now that I don't know where I put the salt shaker down. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I really don't. <laughs> um, I came back last week uh, from having to run home to Chicago, and I had forgotten to put my watch back for about 48 hours. So I was like an hour late to everything the second day. But it's, it's, it's a lot to take in, but basically what I need to do and, and you know, hallelujah for uh, Christine's guidance is just basically we've, we've so carefully, especially with her help and with some input from Glenn, the playwright as well, mapped out the the journey that that this guy goes on over the course of the evening that I really just kind of have to go for the ride. So by the time we hit next Tuesday, next Wednesday, hopefully that's all I have to do is just walk <laughs> out there and say the first line and keep going. So uh, without giving too much away, I know this character kind of makes a journey uh, mm-hmm. across the world um, in just a, a short period of time, you know, presenting it. How mm-hmm. did you go about relaying that to the audience? Well, it's kind of all there in the piece. Um, I mean, this is a very closeted individual uh, whose life is very proscribed. He's a librarian, and he's very kind of tight. Um, And but his world gets rocked when a when an overdue book uh, winds up in his lap one day that just happens to be one hundred and thirteen years overdue. (laughs) This so offends his professional sensibilities that he must find out who this miscreant is and he must punish him with the largest fine that anyone has ever seen. And um, so as he starts to try to find out about this guy, uh, he finds that there was something left tucked in the book as a bookmark. Aha. Oh, it's a it's an unredeemed claim ticket for a pair of trousers. He left at a cleaner's once. Oh, and where is it? It's in London. So he's never even left his hometown. But he winds up, just because he is so ticked off about this guy, he winds up going to London to see if these pants are still there. And uh, and then he picks up the pants. There's something in the pants. So it's this trail of of objects from various centuries, as it turns out, which is where it starts getting really freaking the <laughs> librarian out, that he winds up following to try and find who this person is. Uh, and it becomes an obsession, really, by the end of it. And he's putting his job and his life and everything in jeopardy to find this darn guy. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like an interesting journey. We are uh, Impact Exposure uh, here on The Impact. Our number is 432-3893. We're talking with Michael Joseph Mitchell. Uh, You could also give us an instant message at Impact Exposure. If you're in front of a computer, uh, shoot us a comment or a question. And, uh, yeah, so please do that. (laughs) Um, So what's your inspiration uh, for this character? Were there other characters that you've read or seen on stage uh, that you could kind of relate this to? Um, well, uh, the inspir- there's a few inspirations. First of all, as, as my wife would be the first to say, and as Christine actually said one day <laughs> to me, You're, you were born to play this part. This person is a lot like me. I'm, I'm <laughs> a little shy to say. Um, and, uh, but Glenn, the playwright's inspiration, was music. And uh, uh, I went and found as much as possible of the music he talked about. He even actually very generously uh, burned a copy for me of mm-hmm. all the stuff that he had been using when he was writing the play and sent it to us. We're using some of it in the play because that's in the script actually mm-hmm. to do. Um, and it was a very early 20th century klezmer music from America that he was listening to. And uh, as he put it, it had this sort of dancing in spite of it all quality, no matter how bad things get. And he wanted to find a way to to, to find a a theatrical form to put that in, uh, some kind of a play that would capture that essence. And 
really all of that feeds me um, really more <laughs> more than uh, anything else possibly could. But the story, the story is totally under my my skin anyway. I, I it's it's uh, it's a very easy emotional connection to it. I mean, I was uh, uh, home in Chicago for the last couple days. Had dinner with my wife last night. Was a little. Um, uh, a little ticked off that I hadn't gotten to study that afternoon, and she said, well, okay, well, talk to me about the play. So I wound up talking about it and doing some chunks of it over dinner. And, you know, a lot of it's funny, don't get me wrong, but I was, like, weeping copiously talking to her about it, and I'm sure the waiter thought we were, like, breaking up or something. But I'm totally... Well, we'll see what the audiences think, but I feel totally plugged into it. <laughs> That's right. So compared to other roles that you've done, do you think that makes it easier that you kind of feel like this character is more closer to you? <sighs> That's tough. Sometimes something that is so utterly unlike you um, is just right there for you. You know what I mean? It's it's um, it's different. Each piece is different. Um, if it weren't for the huge amount to learn with this one... Um, I I don't think I would have spent a single second not totally plugged into this guy. You just got to get past the learning part to then just doing it, just letting it go. Um, I, I've played other characters that were totally unlike me. I, a, a friend just visited me in Chicago who said that the last thing I'd done in Chicago, he he was afraid to talk to me afterwards because I was the most vile human being on the face of the earth. And, and a lot of people were afraid to talk to me. So sometimes that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Get to play different characters yeah. outside. Does that happen often? Do people associate you with a particular character on the street? You know, you, you, you wouldn't think so. You think, Oh, well, you know, we're all past that, but not really. It, it's true. There were, there were people there. My childhood friends came to see me in, in the aforementioned show and, really kind of slunk out very quickly afterwards because they just couldn't talk to me. I was so horrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it, it does happen. And, and, you know, by extension, when you're doing something that is that touches people, um, for some reason they want to communicate that to you too, and they really think that's you. And in a way it is. I mean, ev everything that an actor does, they're pulling something out of themselves, even if they're inflating some horrible little... And little evil part that is very teeny, and over here, it's there. It's still there. It's there. <laughs> well, we're talking with uh, Michael Joseph Mitchell. He's performing at Boar's Head Theater, uh, what, in about a week or two? It's starting mm -hmm. opening day May 18th at 8 p.m., running all the way through June 10th, and the play's called Underneath the Lintel. And has this play been performed elsewhere before? Oh, indeed. Um, uh, the very first time it was done, the playwright did it himself. <laughs> it was then done in New York, and there was quite a story about that. It was supposed to open on the 12th or 13th of September in 2001 at the Soho Playhouse. Um, because of the events of September 11th, the, no one was allowed to even go in that area. Uh, of course, the Playhouse wasn't open. So finally, people were allowed in on the 19th, and the theater just invited anyone who wanted to walk in from the neighborhood to just watch it. And so they it wasn't Glenn the playwright this time. It was another actor called T. Ryder Smith mm -hmm. uh, performed it just for people from the neighborhood. And considering how kind of very funny, but uh, also big picture and existential this piece is about life and about where we're going and what we're doing. 
it, I'm sure, was very resonant. It was supposedly a very special event there. And it ran for quite a while in New York. Um, it's also been done in London. It was done at Long Wharf Theatre in Connecticut. Uh, I believe San Francisco. It's, it's had... Oh, it's had a fistful of productions. I'm not sure exactly how many. At least six. Hmm? Okay. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was getting prompted. <laughs> You're killing me here, Katie. <laughs> I think it was also done in Israel. Oh, that, that is correct. Mm-hmm. I believe yeah. she's right on that. Is she's it al- always right. <laughs> is it always performed as a one-man show? Or is yeah. It- <laughs> yeah. There, it is just the one character. Yeah. So kind of speaking along the same lines of that one performance where it was complimentary admission to the whole community, uh, what do you think of the community in Lansing? This is certainly your second run through. Uh, how do you see the community involvement with the theater here? Um, f- well, I'm still a newbie, but from what I can see, I mean, the 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 quality of the work here is absolutely top-notch. Uh, a, a lot of the theaters in this area, because I've certainly had the, the great fortune to meet uh, several people, people from the newspapers, uh, people that review as well as write about theater and some of the other theater professionals when I was here before. And um, there, there are many great companies here. Um, I, and uh, I... I absolutely adore Boar's Head. I think uh, uh, that uh, the work that I have seen there is top-notch, and I know that there's top-notch work going on throughout the whole town, I th- and it looks to me like it is supported, and, and uh, I certainly hope it is. Uh, uh, I think that the Lansing community is, is blessed with a, a ton of talent and some really creative people and some creative thinking here. Great music as well. All of the arts, I think, are very well represented here. Earlier in the show, we had uh, two people who are kind of running uh, art museums in the area, seen Metro Space and the Kresge Art Museum. And we're, we're kind of hoping there's more of a community for this uh, building over the years. And it seems like it's certainly heading in that direction. I hope so, so too. Yeah. Well, we are talking uh, with the lead star of uh, the Boar's Head Theater's latest production, Underneath the Lintel, uh, by Glenn Berker. His name is Michael Joseph Mitchell. You can catch him uh, just about a week or so. Opening night is May 18th at 8 p.m. And it runs, uh, you know, kind of for a short time, only a little under a month, June 10th at 2 p.m. So you'll be in the area for a little under a month, and we'll be uh, excited to go see you. Uh, more information is available by going to boarshead.org or by calling 517. 517- Seven four eight four seven eight zero five. Uh, real quick before we head out of here, we also have Katie Doyle of uh, the Boar's Head Theater. Are there any other upcoming events for the summer that we should know about? Well, as a matter of fact, Jeremy, uh-huh. <laughs> we have a great summer show called uh, the All Night Strut coming up um, in June and July, and um, it's wonderful because it's um, really engaging for all ages. Uh, it's uh, visits classic swing tunes from the thirties and forties. Um, we mounted this show last year and had such a great response from our audience members that we're bringing it back. And Sharice Hamilton, who is a graduate of Michigan State University, actually made her professional debut last year in this show. So, um, And for MSU students, we also mm-hmm. want to remind everybody about the Entertainment Express. That's right. Why don't you explain that briefly? Uh, well, the Entertainment Express is the little trolley that goes from East Lansing to Roundabout downtown. Runs on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays until 2 a.m. in the morning. So you can come down, see theater, see the arts, stop by the clubs, mm-hmm. bars, and that sort of thing. And it's a wonderful asset, and it's very inexpensive. 
It's a cool looking little vehicle. I see it every every weekend when I'm downtown. So very cool. Well, I'd like to thank both of you for coming here. It sounds like a great play. Looking forward to it coming in the area. And uh, please be sure to stop by uh, later on throughout the summer as you have more events coming up. Thanks so, for the invitation. Anytime. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was a pleasure meeting you, Mike. <laughs> pleasure. Uh, this has been Impact Exposure here on WDBM East Lansing. My name is Jeremy, and have a good night. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.